Welcome to Sparks of History, where world history and Jewish history meet. Today, we are extremely pleased to have with us award-winning author and journalist Ingrid Kahlberg. Ms. Kahlberg was an investigative and features journalist for the Swedish daily Degens Niter. Uh, Ms. Kahlberg is additionally the author of The Pill, A Tale of Doctors and Depression, for which she earned a honorary doctorate from Uppsala University. Additionally, Ms. Kahlberg is a member of the prestigious Swedish Academy. And today we will be discussing Ms. Kahlberg's highly acclaimed work, Raul Wallenberg, the man who saved thousands of Hungarian Jews from the Holocaust. A literary Review calls this book, Kahlberg's superb biography will doubtless be regarded as the standard work on Wallenberg, richly detailed and thoroughly researched. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it very much, and we'll get right started. Just a little bit about your background and how you became interested in Raul Wallenberg. Yes, as you said, I've been working as a journalist for a long time, an investigative narrative uh, reportage, uh, and uh, well, actually, turned, and that what was what made me start to write books, because my articles became longer and longer. But what made me interested in Raoul Wallenberg is, uh, has something to do with that background, because uh, uh, I'm very fascinated in unsolved historical uh, enigmas. And here you had a case, the most uh, devastating and the um, uh, case, uh, not successful diplomatic uh, case in Swedish history, I would say. A very tragic family history and an unsolved mystery. And then I also have a, a, a personal connection to, to the case um, Somewhat distanced, but uh, my husband's grandfather was among those who were arrested in uh, uh, actually in Estonia, but by the uh, Soviet Union during the 1940s. And uh, he ended up as Wallenberg in Lubyanka. And after that, nobody knew his, uh, uh, what has happened to him. Uh, so I was married into a family with the same problem as Wallenberg's family. What happened? 50 years uh, passed without any, any news there. So uh, that's kind of the background which turned me into this huge task of writing this book about Wallenberg. Going back to the early life of Raoul Wallenberg, what were the early influences that shaped Wallenberg. Yes, I think most primarily the whole situation around his birth is actually very decisive here. Uh, he was born three months after his father suddenly died from a cancer in his stomach. So he was born into a family tragedy uh, and he grew up with his mother being a widow only 21 years old. Uh, that made it uh, the situation in that way that uh, his grandfather, who was called Gustav Wallenberg, was the man to raise Raoul Wallenberg. And the, the late father uh, had been 
uh, a star in the fa- Wallenberg family. He was uh, expected to have a brilliant career. Uh, I think he was regarded as uh, the most uh, distinguished and, and uh, intelligent uh, among the young generation. So he had a few things to live up to, this role, and Gustav Wallenberg tried to educate him as this coming business star, I would say. And you also have to take into account the fact that uh, Raoul Wallenberg was uh, born into one of Sweden's most uh, wealthy and most famous business families with an empire, you could say, of industries, but mainly focused around the family's bank uh, called Skandinaviska Erskilda Banken later on, or SE Banken today. Wallenberg spent time as a student in the United States. What experiences did he have in the USA? That that was part of his grandfather's very peculiar education, uh, because he wanted Raoul Wallenberg to be uh, more international than his fellow friends, uh, in the, than the other uh, young men in his generation. So he wanted him to go to United States. What he was to study there didn't have any uh, importance for Gustav. Uh, so what he wanted, I will quote the grandfather of Raoul Wallenberg, because what he wanted from this uh, education in the United States was that Raoul Wallenberg should, uh, he didn't mind so much about the education, but Quote, the everyday life, social interaction with American youth, becoming educated into a well-organized fighter who under all circumstances remains aware that he should continue to make his way forward. That was the purpose of this education for um, uh, Raoul, uh, from his grandfather, and Raoul himself, he, he was quite bored the first, time, first period in the United States. But then he happened to, I would say, uh, digest a little of this American mentality that his father, grandfather wanted him to have. You should know also that he was allowed by his grandfather, although that the grandfather wanted him to, to end up in the Swedish uh, business, he allowed him, Raoul, who was, had an artistic talent, to study architecture in an arbor. But after a few years, just before leaving, Raoul Wallenberg wrote the following. The best thing about America is that people are not envious and they are not petty. Just think of how much effort we expend at home, doubting everything and everyone. Think how much unpleasantness we make for ourselves and everyone else by being pessimistic by nature instead of optimists. And I think these are key features uh, that he actually uh, gathered, if you can say so, during his time uh, in the United States. Key features of his uh, personality. Uh, what do we know about the, the months that he spent in Palestine, pre-state Israel? 
Yes, uh, it was in 1936, and he had just finish, finished his uh, stage as an intern in South Africa. That was also part of his grandfather's education. And uh, uh, he ended up in Haifa, where his grandfather had a friend who, who uh, had a bank, a Holland Bank in Haifa. He was supposed to have an internship also there. Uh, I, th- I could summarize his period in Haifa those months by saying that he decided that he would that he wasn't actually a material for banking, maybe uh, that he wanted to uh, mainly to do other things in in the business life. But uh, the influence of being in Haifa during this period was important for him for what was. Uh, what what he, he would uh, um, see later on in his life, because he ended up staying in the same uh, house as some uh, uh, of the refugees, Jewish refugees from Germany in Haifa. So he learned a lot about the situation in Germany during the 30s and uh, uh, about the persecution of the Jews. And I would say that when he came back to uh, Sweden uh, in 1936, he had a lot of knowledge about what was going on in Europe, and he was definitely more educated in uh, the, the terrible situation that was uh, uh, that the Jewish uh, population of Europe was expecting or uh, living through. When he came back to Sweden and went into business, was Wallenberg a successful business person? No, not at all, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and according to, to himself, definitely not. He had higher expectations on himself that his grandfather, of course, had nudged. And uh, uh, so he ended up, the, the main uh, reason for for this uh, lack of success was actually that his grandfather suddenly died in 1937. So the the grandiose introduction into Swedish business life that his grandfather had promised him just didn't happen. The, Raoul had to build his own way or find his own way in Swedish business life, and he started the the. One company after the other, he tried to sell products like Japanese zippers and some corks for buttons. Uh, It was not until 1941 that he ended up having his first permanent position in an, uh, uh, you could say, a Swedish-Hungarian import-export firm, uh, which uh, imported mainly uh, groceries from Hungary, like uh, poultry, geese, etc., uh, and also eggs was were very uh, rare in Sweden at the time, etc. He also exported horses for a while, actually. But it was, of course, to be an, an, a director at this small Swedish-Hungarian import-export firm was not exactly what his grandfather had had in mind, giving him his education. What was the political situation in Hungary, Budapest, 
uh, as the war progresses. Just give us a little background in 1940s and 1944. What, what are we looking at in Hungary, Budapest, by, time, by the time Wallenberg arrives? You had this, um, it, if we focus on uh, 1944, the most important thing that happened before he arrived was, of course, the German uh, sudden occupation of Hungary in March 1944, which changed everything for the, the ally of Germany, Hungary. So uh, um, one of the reasons for these, this occupation was that uh, the regent of Hungary, uh, Miklos Horthy, had uh, refused to uh, let Hitler deport uh, the Hungarian Jews. And now this started. So during spring, uh, Adolf Eichmann, whom I don't think I need to present in your program, uh, started this, uh, his, the, the, actually the greatest, or not the greatest, but the biggest uh, deportation uh, and the quickest during the whole Second World War, uh, which took, part, took uh, place or started in the end of May 1944. So uh, that was the background, of course, for Raoul Wallenberg's mission. How and why was Wallenberg chosen to go to Budapest? And what exactly was his assignment? I know in the book you write, there's all different factors from the Swedish side, from the American side. What's the whole story behind the assignment? And what was it? What was he assigned to do? Yes, as you say, there are a lot of parallel processes here. So you cannot just say that he went because of that. Uh, First of all, to start with, uh, he, uh, of course, in uh, Stockholm, the the Hungarian Jews in exile uh, became panicked when uh, Hitler occupied occupied Hungary in March 1944. So already then there were plans for a Swedish uh, mission based mainly in the Jewish congregation in Stockholm to Hungary. And a, a central figure in planning this was Raoul Wallenberg's boss in this Swedish-Hungarian export-import firm, because his boss was one of these Hungarian Jews in exile. Kalman Lauer was his name. Uh, and he uh, started to plan for this mission. Uh, we have to send uh, non-Jews from Sweden to save the, the Hungarian Jews uh, was was the thought that they they uh, uh, worked with, and uh, of course to him, Harald Wallenberg had been in Budapest several times. He had a network already in business, so to Kalman Lauer, uh, Raoul Wallenberg was the natural person to go there. But when the, this name came up, uh, the rabbi of the Swedish uh, Jewish congregation in Stockholm said no because Raoul Wallenberg happened to have suggested to him that maybe we need to bribe some people in Hungary to save Jews. And to, to the rabbi, that was not serious enough. He was an adver- too adventurous. Um, this young man only 
only 31 years old at the time. But what changed this whole situation was uh, the start of the mass deportations uh, in the end of May, when uh, over 400,000 Hungarian Jews were deported in only seven weeks. And already from day one, uh, a new mission started to to, uh, be planned. Um, You had in the United States, uh, you can say that the United States waited very long before they actually wanted to interfere in the ongoing Holocaust. And and in January, they had founded a new, in January 1944, they had founded a new, uh, this war refugee board uh, that was supposed to be the United States arm dealing with uh, sending help uh, to to the persecuted European Jews. And Hungary, the deportations in Hungary was War Refugee Board's first mission. But they couldn't, United States couldn't act themselves. So what they did was that they asked neutral countries if they maybe could send an extra diplomat to, to Budapest to administer an, a mission financed and led by the Americans. Sweden was asked. And as it happened, Raoul Wallenberg uh, and Hung- uh, Kalman Lauer had their office in the same house as the American legation in Stockholm. So when this discussion was uh, started, uh, it was quite close to uh, also for the Americans to suggest Ka- Raoul Wallenberg as this person. They actually asked Kalman Lauer if he knew anyone that they could suggest to the Swedish uh, government. Yes, he said, his name is Raoul Wallenberg. And, you know, they, they were so stressed. Um, they ha- this had to happen quick. And Raoul Wallenberg was, I think, among few young men in Sweden at the time who was prepared to go to Budapest in the middle of the war like this. So that's a long story, but some, but the background. What was it about Wallenberg's personality his character traits that enabled him to succeed in saving the lives of thousands upon thousands of Hungarian Jews. It's uh, he was a, not a normal diplomat. Uh, yeah, I have earlier mentioned uh, what he got gathered. Uh, from his education in the United States, this kind of American mentality, everything is possible and I'm the one who can do it. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing is that he happened to, to have extraordinary organizational and uh, 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 leadership talents. Um, uh, I think a lot of people uh, believe that the fact that, that Raoul Wallenberg could save these many lives just because of his personal courage, that he personally was the one saving all those thousands of Hungarian Jews, going on the platforms, uh, tearing them out of the trains, etc., etc. But to me, the 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 real um, uh, the what was most significant for his 
rescue mission and what made it so successful was his organizational talents that he managed to build a whole rescue uh, bureaucracy in the end with with over 300 people employed to help him and and uh, that was was what made everything so effective uh, and among you have also to add to all these uh, personal uh, uh, personal uh, personality feature you have to add also his create, create creativity that he was uh, i told you that he had an artistic talent but he also had a lot of fantasy and he could um, he could uh, he dared to do things that other normal diplomats didn't do. He was very bold, for example, and uh, and uh, I don't. He 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 was not so uh, not so attached to words, to diplomatic notes, as to actions, and that also deferred him from other neutral diplomats. You have to know that Raoul uh, Wallenberg wasn't alone in Budapest at this time. There were a lot of neutral diplomats trying to to uh, save the lives of Hungarian Jews. What exactly were the protective passports that were issued by Wallenberg, and why were they successful? Um, in fact, Wallenberg wasn't uh, the one who who uh, came up with this idea of having fake, you know, fake official documents that was distributed to save the, the threatened Jews. Uh, there was a sweet Swiss diplomat who came up with them in the first place. He made some emigration certificates that he, he distributed to the Jews. They were supposed to, uh, the, the certificate uh, got, got them the right to emigrate to Palestine. Uh, and there was also among Swedish diplomats, um, they had also started to, to distribute these kind of fake official documents. But what happened when Raoul Wallenberg came there, it was that the Hungarian authorities had, had forbidden those uh, fake, quite amateurish documents. They wanted real passports if they should uh, take, take them into account. And the, what Wallenberg did was to produce such a real passport and as I said, he was very creative. So he he produced, uh, even printed a real passport with uh, photos and signatures and stamps. And he also had the Swedish flag made in the background of the official text. So it was a beautiful document that convinced every Hungarian, stressed Hungarian uh, authority person. So... Uh, he, he just created the most effective and most convincing fake official document, the Schutzpass in Budapest at the time. Did Wallenberg come into direct contact with Adolf Eichmann? If yes, what was that all about? If not, who did he interact with from the German side? Yes, he was in contact with Adolf Eichmann. Uh, le- much later, decades later, uh, the family got some of his uh, private uh, things back. Among those, his uh, calendar for 1944 and his address and telephone book. 
And in his telephone book, I think there were three numbers to Adolf Eichmann. He's not mentioned in the calendar, but for sure uh, he was in contact with uh, Adolf Eichmann. And he was also later on when the arrow crossers took power in, uh, in Hungary in the middle of October. He was also bold enough to be in direct contact with the arrow crossers. This is important to understand because it has an explanation. It explains partly why he was arrested. 